As always, Brian Dressel. Get it? It's Saturday Night Live. I mean, you did a good enough job that I know what you're doing. Well, I'll take it. So, yeah. <laughs> as always, is Chewy Darso and Jonathan Hardesty. Hello. Yay. <laughs> Hello. You did it. It was either that or I was going to do like the uh, for the hearing impaired sort of thing and like have Chewy echo me, but uh, it, it's just, I can't do it as well. That guy's so much better at it than I'll ever be. Mm. So. So we'll go with the intro thing. So hi, welcome behind the hype. Uh, if you couldn't tell, think things have changed up this month. We are done with Taika. We're moving on to something a little different. No more people. At least not. Well, there are people still in it, but we're not focusing <laughs> yeah, on no person people at month. all. No people. <laughs> doing movies not made by people. Mm. It's gonna be a short month. Uh, no, we're doing not focusing on any one person. We're gonna be focusing on a corporation. That still sounds wrong. We're gonna focus on an entertainment entity. That sounds a little better than Corporation. We're doing Saturday Night Live movies. Uh, and I'm very excited to do Saturday Night Live movies. Or at least I was until we watched this one last night. And now I'm like, oh, it's going to be a rough month of all the movies that aren't quite Blues Brothers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just chasing those coattails for the last 40 years. Right? Because holy shit, was this a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it like at least in a like legit like I'm going to sit down and watch Blues Brothers in probably 20 years. Uh, this would be my first time that I didn't just like happen to watch it. And holy fuck! Um, so I don't have a where have they been doing because I didn't have a chance to watch any SNL. John, did you? No, I I was going to try and watch some of the sketches that this was based on and just kind of get a a whole view of it, but I never got a chance to look them up. I mean, it's basically just musical acts. Like, they weren't really sketches so much as musical numbers. Um, uh, at least as I remember it. There might be sketches out there, but I've never seen them. I've only watched the musical acts, and I've seen a bunch of those my dad showed me. So if there are actual, like, sketches on this, I'll have to look that up and then delete uh, all this part. But if not, then I'm just going to leave it. Delete. Uh, during the coronavirus stuff, I did watch Night at the Roxbury, like, Oh yeah. Two months ago. Yeah. It's got its its moments. <laughs> As a whole, it is nothing compared to this. I mean, this movie baked in cocaine into the budget of the film just to make sure they could get through it, and I'm still sure Chris Catan did more cocaine than the entirety of Blues Brothers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's I guess, is there anything else you want to say about Nox, Night of the Roxbury other than just me making fun of Chris Catan for doing all the coke? I think that's the review of it, isn't it? Really, it really <laughs> speaks to how un enthralling the movie is. I watched it recently, and I really can't remember it that well. So I wonder if we get to the end of this episode, if you'll be picking that one to review. Uh, I'm no. guessing no. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll figure that out at the end of this uh, the end of this episode. We'll list out the next three movies. We're all gonna pick one of their repertoire, and we're gonna that's what we'll cover. But first and foremost, and absolutely best. <laughs> is Blues Brothers. I I haven't seen all the SNL movies. There's one or two that I, I never saw Superstar. I never saw, I don't remember another one, but there, there's a couple I haven't seen. Uh, but I guarantee they're not better than this one. We are starting with the best this month, and I, I if I'm proven wrong, I will be very surprised. Hmm. Like, very surprised. Turns out Superstar will be the best one. Who? I mean, maybe. I love Molly Shannon. <laughs> she does crack me the fuck up, so who knows? Maybe it's possible. I don't think it is, but who knows? Um, but let's talk Blues Brothers. 
Blues. The story of Jake and Elwood Blues. One of those things that, like, I don't think I fully realized why they were called the Blues Brothers until I was probably in college. Their last name's Blue. Yeah, never caught into that. Never caught onto that. They sing the blues. Yeah, that's something like, oh, yeah, they sing the blues. It's Jake and Elwood. They sing the blues. Oh, their last name is Blues. Got it. Yeah. They're the Blues Brothers. That makes, makes a lot more sense. They have terrible <laughs> food habits. They do it. Well, what do you mean? Dry white toast, four fried chickens. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's perfect. That's the perfect <laughs> diet. It's the One it's such that. a consistent diet that they can call back the order and he's like, That's the Blues Brothers. <laughs> One of them is getting zero nutrition, and the other one has really high cholesterol. With their powers combined, death. death. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do a very quick breakdown. We can kind of jump into this one. Uh, the Blues Brothers is a, a film about um, Jake and Elwood Blues and uh, their mission from God to put their blues band back together after they got broken up and uh, Jake went to jail and put them back together to raise $5,000 in the course of like two or three days uh, to save the orphanage that raised them. Mm -hmm. And they consider that a mission from God. And uh, they will bring that up quite often, that they're on a mission from God. But they were. They were. Oh, no, I'm not saying they weren't. God protected them from death in almost many certain moments. Many, many moments should they have died and didn't. (laughs) And it's fucking hysterical. (laughs) Uh... That's my take. Che- uh, Chewy John, what do you guys think? Do you like this thing as much as I do? Uh, yes. Simple answer. Uh, funny story, though, when I was watching it again recently, I had that. I wasn't really necessarily in the mood. I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be a little bit of a long movie. I don't know if I f- I'm feeling it. For some reason, I just wasn't feeling the movie. But then I think somewhere around where Carrie Fisher blew a hole in the, the, the men's, wayward men's home, I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I think I'm back 100% on board with this. It's just their super nonchalant responses to these horrific things. Like their entire building explodes. Like, hey, we're running late. <laughs> we got to get going. <laughs> yeah, and even sooner than that, when the nun, after she kicks uh, Jake down the or Jake down the stairs, and then just floats back into the room, and the door magically shuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think maybe even that's the beginning where you're like, oh wait, this is this is gonna be more than just that slightly slower opening. Yeah, this yeah. movie's going to be ridiculous. But I, I think you kind of get that from the, right from the, when Jake's finally walking out of jail and he's got like the, the gargantuan orange light behind him. Yeah. And he finally looks like himself. I think that's, I, for me, that's where I'm like, okay, this is what we're watching. This is, he was a chosen one. Yeah. With his soiled used condom. <laughs> <sighs> I, I forgot that Frank that Oz gave that back. Yeah, Frank Oz has to give it back to him. And I'm like, does he have that on him the whole movie? They just I would assume so. It? Yeah, why not? Uh, I mean, it's just like, uh, what does Dan Aykroyd have in his pocket throughout like the entire movie? Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz, yeah. Well, not the whole movie, just until like, they get to his home thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where every time, every time you can see Dan Aykroyd's window, there's a train going by. Mm. Every fucking time. Just, <laughs> how often does the train go by? So much you'll never notice it. <laughs> well, it looks like they're right next to the loop. So they got, what, the purple, the brown, oh, the yeah. red. Yeah, it would be all day long. Yeah. Um, oh, but we, you didn't say Chewy. What did you think? Did you like this one as much as we did? I can never say for certain if I like something as much as you. Sure. But, yes, I really enjoy this movie. 
It's just like uh, Chu and I were talking a little bit earlier when we were driving around, and I'm like, it's just one of those movies where, yeah, it's a little long, but you don't feel the length at all, and hard pressed not just have a grin on your face the whole time you're watching it. Um, but since this is one that we've all seen and we've all we all kind of remember fairly well, uh, does anybody remember their first experience with this movie? I have a very vivid memory of the first time I experienced something from this movie. It wasn't the whole movie. Um, but Chewie or John, do you guys remember your first time seeing it? Um, not necessarily. I, I, I remember watching it maybe a while back, many years ago and being like of the age where I was like, <laughs> John Belushi said, fuck, <laughs> they all say fuck a lot in this movie. <laughs> but other than that, like, uh, no, I don't really have a very vivid memory of it. For me, it was, uh, it was on TV, I think, and it was either on TV or my dad had rented it for some reason. My dad wasn't a big movie renter, so I don't think it was that, but it was probably on TV. And it was getting up to the scene with the uh, dry toast and four fried chickens and then followed by the um, the Aretha Franklin song. And my dad is such a huge Aretha Franklin fan that he's like, oh, her scene's coming up. And I don't remember what I was doing, but he's like, it was one of those like famous, your dad sits you down to watch a thing moments. He's like, you got to see her sing. Like, you just have to see her sing. And then you can go do whatever you want. And I remember sitting down and I watched a good chunk of the movie after that, but I think my dad kicked me out because it is rated R. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he, I had to see the Aretha Franklin scene. And that scene just stuck with me for a long time. Like, I'm still a fan of her to this day, partly because of the first time seeing her in Blues Brothers. Hmm. And you don't remember your first time coming to it at all? My realm of vivid memories are very slim. <laughs> uh, but I definitely saw this movie later in life in college. Uh, while I lived in Chicago. So oh, that's I was a good very, place to see it. I was very happy to watch the movie and be like, oh, I get that. <laughs> but you did work on Lower Wacker Drive and on I, The Dark Knight, and you before, did not get while everyone was going, this is definitely Lower Wacker Drive. No, I didn't get that. <laughs> no, I simply saw this movie after that. So <laughs> every time someone said that, they're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, this is Lower Wacker Drive. That's where we were assigned. Of course we're down here. <laughs> That, that, that actually stood out to me when I was watching it this time, just because I could tell where everything was film-wise compared to the Dark Knight. Oh, my God. The whole them chase, being chased near the end, I'm like, are they just trying to get away from the cops? Because they're definitely not going where they need to be going. Like they, <laughs> I swear they circled Daily Plaza like ten times before they actually got in there. I'm trying to remember the exact quote now. That's right. Like When they get to Daily Plaza, it's like... <laughs> Oh, the one with the Picasso. Yeah. Yeah. And you drove past it a while ago. Where are you going? I mean, their car defies the laws of physics. They go wherever they want. (laughs) That car Uh, is amazing. Just all the um, things it can do. Oh, my God. And just the way they intro the car, like, it just looks like such a piece of shit. Like, it's such a piece of shit that when the the actor who was moving it from locations got lost, he got arrested for driving a car that looked like a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They had to call the production where apparently John Landis was far more concerned with getting the Bluesmobile back than the guy driving it. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Makes sense. It's a movie. Uh <laughs> But yeah, the intro to the car, like even that is just so fucking perfect of Jake uh, uh, Belushi is just so mad that they got rid of the Bluesmobile because it was awesome. And then then they raise the bridge and Elwood just fucking drives right over it. It's like, see, we got (laughs) extra shocks, extra this, extra that. Really? Yeah, no, it was like cop shocks. Cop shocks. (laughs) Cop shocks. (laughs) It's a cop cop. 
Oh my god. Cop suspension. Cop shocks. <laughs> Props but, to Dan Aykroyd's voice throughout the whole movie. Just every time he talks, I'm just like, oh, awesome. Well, let, let's just let's just dive right into it. I was going to save the two the brothers themselves for the end, but it, it makes more sense if we're here. Let's just talk about them. There is something about Dan Aykroyd and Belushi in this movie. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Dan Aykroyd in many a movie. Like, Ghostbusters is amazing. I love Belushi in the few movies he was in. Even if they haven't aged this that well. This might be the only movie that I've seen him in. Well, you saw Animal House, didn't you? No, I have no interest in Animal House. Yeah, you wouldn't like it. No. Uh, <laughs> it really hasn't aged that well. <laughs> um, you'd like him in a few scenes. That's about it. Yeah. Um, Everything I've seen about Animal House, I'm like, that movie doesn't look very woke. No. No, no, no. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rough one. No, it's pretty dozed off. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but there is something very special about the two of them in this movie and Belushi is always great. And Aykroyd is always Aykroyd. Um, age has not been nice to Aykroyd. But Aykroyd is always great as well. And it's just kind of... There's just something different about them as the Blues Brothers. And you don't really get it beyond... like Yeah, exactly what John was saying. Like his voice, his delivery of lines. Every fucking time he says, we're on a mission from God. It makes me laugh. Every mm-hmm. time. But you just look at him in this role and like the physicality he brings to Elwood and just the, like just the, the way he talks, the way he moves, the way he dances, the way he plays his harmonica. There is something distinctly not Dan Aykroyd about it. Like he just loses himself in this role, which is not something I can say about most other Dan Aykroyd roles. Unless well, yeah, it is Dan Aykroyd. Unless it's just Dan Aykroyd. I guess that's right. possible. I but. mean, if it makes sense that you would go crazy if you were only eating white bread. <laughs> yeah. Every other but toasted right. sugar for the rest of your life would not make you feel very good. That's the voice of someone who eats a lot of white bread. Um, <laughs> no, but like, yeah, with Ghostbusters, with um, a lot of the other things he's in, Coneheads even, just it's, you know it's Dan Aykroyd and he's doing the Dan Aykroyd thing and playing a part, but you are always like, ah, oh, it's Dan Aykroyd. I kind of get lost in his performance here and I, I'm, have to be remi- I have to remind myself sometimes, like, well, that's Dan Aykroyd doing a thing because he's so kind of chameleoned into it yeah like particularly when you get to the end of the movie and like it's a long ride because they do full music numbers like nothing's half-assed in this thing like when you get the ray charles song you have the whole ray charles song uh when you do the uh what's the um cab calloway song that he sings uh yeah mini the moocher you get the whole mini the moocher Mm -hmm. and because and every time it's a blast so it's worth it but by the time we finally get to them performing it's almost halfway through the movie when they do the uh the rawhide song (laughs) <laughs> right? right about halfway pretty through close, yeah. yeah if not if not past the halfway point like it's pretty late in the movie and by the time once they get on stage and start doing their thing it's like whoa this just got a shitload better it was already good but there's just something like magnetic and just immensely entertaining about dan Aykroyd and john belushi as the blues brothers and well, right, when you get to that you, final performance like like I'm almost like wanting to like jump up and clap for them at the end of every song. It right, almost right. frustrates me because I watch Dan Aykroyd dance. And I'm like, why didn't you just do this all the time? <laughs> you were so, so good. good. Like your mannerisms and everything is so much fun. You were a good dancer. And I couldn't it have killed him to have one dance number with a ghost or something in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably, I guess. Uh, John, you were saying? Uh, 
No, yeah, it, it's one of those things where for up until when they finally start singing at that dive bar, that country dive bar, you're like, okay, well, everyone else has done some singing. Everyone else is really amazing. And these two guys are just kind of standing around. And when I first saw it, I was pretty skeptical, right? Because like, oh, these two guys are they're SNL actors, whatever. And then, yeah, to your point, they start singing. And you're like, oh, I'm 100% invested in this movie. And then by the end, you're like, where did all the time go? <laughs> and why did they leave after two songs on stage? I want more. Yeah. Oh, man, I wanted more. Especially, I, w- I could watch that entire, like, if they'd done that as a whole concert, I could watch the whole thing. And yeah. just the way it, it's introed when they finally come out, like, the crowd has been going nuts, and they finally come out, and Dan Aykroyd's like, we want to thank all the legal, local law enforcement for coming out and <laughs> joining us tonight. Like, he just rambles that line off, and it's just so fucking good. Like, they're just... Yeah. Like, yeah, we're in trouble. We have, uh, for some reason, a band is really mad at us. They're chasing us. The cops the are chasing us. The band needs to get over yeah, it. Yeah, they need to calm the fuck down. It was just a little joke about a union thing. Like, they did nothing to the band. The band took it oh. real personal. <laughs> but, yeah, they have the state law. They have the law enforcement, a band, and Nazis after them. And they're just like, eh, whatever. We're going to play a show. We're on a mission from God. Right, right. Oh, it's that more band. more important than all of them. Except I really enjoy the way that all of the law enforcement guys are holding their guns oh yeah in the crowd like they're being really cavalier about it and i like the only reason they do it is because uh john candy was like i've never even heard them sing before they're not gonna get out of here let's let's let the show happen and then we'll arrest him (laughs) such a such a bit part for john candy but But such a fun one too i forgot how funny he was in that just even when they like land their car in the side of the truck and he's like what car number is this (laughs) 55 <laughs> we're in a truck i was i was formulating a through line while we're watching this movie and be like see this is where mr x starts he's a cop he sees some things that make no sense and then he starts investigating the paranormal after this movie and then he gets into aliens and then suddenly he has to do with fox Mulder in 20 years not even 20 years what 13 years? Yeah, probably around 10 years. Yeah. Right around 10 yeah. years. Yeah. It lines up, man. <laughs> he goes off the deep end. <laughs> Can you blame him? <laughs> um, but there is something kind of... There is something almost kind of sad about watching this movie. Like, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier with Dan Aykroyd. And, like, watching Dan Aykroyd in, now, in this then versus watching something with him now, it's just like, oof. Dan Aykroyd is just... Dan, I couldn't remember the last time that I actually saw Dan Aykroyd really act. Yeah, I mean, he showed up in Ghostbusters for two seconds, but that was more just a cameo. I feel like he's just being Dan Aykroyd. It's just kind of sad seeing, like, how great he was and, like, how we just don't get it anymore. And then, like, the the worst one is Belushi. Like, holy fuck, was that just a talented guy who just just wasn't around long enough? Yeah. You do that much coke, yeah, Yeah, your your body will start wearing a little thin. Well, will catch up to you like that sometimes. But the funny thing really is, is, like, you listen to Dan Aykroyd actually just recently did an interview about this, or at least recently got posted because I was just reading it. And he was talking about working with Belushi on it. He's like, Yeah, you know, Belushi was a party animal, but he was also just a professional. Like, we could always count on him to be on time. Like, he would always get the shot done. Like, we never had to wait for him. The worst scenario, and it's like a famous story from this movie, so you might have already heard it before, but I, I hadn't. Um, I just, after I looked it up, I found it everywhere. But uh, apparently, one night, because they did so many late night shoots, uh, they didn't need J- uh, John for a, a hot minute, so he left. And when it got time for him to shoot, they're like, where the fuck did he go? It's like 3 in the morning in Chicago. We can't find him anywhere. So they sent people out looking for him. They found one house with lights still on. So they went up and they knocked on the door. Somebody answered the door like, 
hi, we're filming a movie and we've lost one of our actors. And the guy goes, oh, Belushi? Yeah, he came in like an hour ago, right in my fridge. He passed out on my couch. Just some random, guy. <laughs> just some random house. <laughs> Belushi just waltzed in, raided their fridge, and passed out on their couch. <laughs> I'd be like, dude, get out. <laughs> Ever since then, Dan Aykroyd always referred to him as America's guest. <laughs> as America's guest. Wake up, Belushi. I just think that's awesome. Like, uh, I, I don't have, like, I, I wish I had a personal story with a celebrity like that. Like, oh, yeah, we're just kind of hanging out. And then DiCaprio knocked on the door and he just wanted a, a burger and wanted to take a nap. And we're like, sure, Leonardo, go for it. As long as he's not <laughs> right? on Quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as he's not on Quaaludes. That's a very special Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, God, he's dancing. <laughs> <laughs> could you, not, could you stop I dancing in our living room, please? <laughs> I, I need to rewatch Wolf of Wall Street. That's a, a wild <laughs> ride. Knocking everything down. Um... But this movie also has, beyond, you know, all the, the great actors that we've mentioned, uh, this movie is just fucking jammed with cameos. It's something that the SNL movies will definitely echo throughout the year, their entire, like, run. They always yeah. throw in either cameos from SNL or cameos from um, just the world at large. And this one really went for that. Like, we have, like, the who's who of music, especially of the genre in this movie. Like, you have James Brown, you have Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, Cab Calloway, like... And all these people, they usually get a moment to shine. They either get a song or they get to sing along with a song. And it just, it brought this movie up so many notches of this just kind of crazy road trip-esque mission from God. And it just turned it into like a celebration of music. So you have a very entertaining movie with an entertaining story with entertaining characters. And then on top of that, you throw in legends of music. And it just makes this movie so much better when I didn't think it could get better. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where I was reading up a little bit, just a little bit on it, and that was actually a pain point. Like, they had trouble getting, like, production interest in getting these some of these legends on there. And well, at the time, they weren't legends yet. Well, Ray right, Charles right. was. Ray Charles was, but Aretha Franklin was just a pop star, essentially, at the yeah. time. Yeah, no, and... it's just it's just so weird looking at it back, like, from now, from the now standpoint, where we're, like... Or we refer to them as legends. That's the only way we know of them as, as legends, then and nothing else. Yeah, for me, it's, it's weird it's seeing Ray Charles alive, like just seeing him in a scene. I'm like, holy crap, it's Ray Charles! <laughs> right, and, and and shooting at a kid trying to steal a guitar, <laughs> <laughs> which I forgot happened, and I <laughs> I nearly spit it's out my shame drink. Shame to see them go bad. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. And then his song was awesome. Like, just watching the two of them dance with Ray Charles is just a blast. Yeah. And it was just a smile. Every every song, every cameo, every number just was, like, smile-inducing to, to a point of pain almost because it was like, oh, here's this scene. And here's this, you know, we get to see Ray Charles sing. Oh, man, this is amazing. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's got comedic timing. This is wonderful. Yeah, it's just relentlessly entertaining. <laughs> I, I think I described it to Chewie earlier today as aggressively entertaining. Like, it's just in your face the whole time. Are you, are you happy yet? Are you happy yet? Because we have more coming. It's, but I don't really have a hard time calling it relentless or whatnot, because it does have a lot of... It has lots of ups and downs. Well, it's because it's a, it tells a story. Like it yeah. actually, like it, is it actually... It's an absurd story. But still, it's a story. Outside, like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. 
It's just outside well, I, I the think realms it's... of physics and everything. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of the neat thing about this movie, too, is with all these music numbers, like, you've got this going. And then for the, the final act, it's like, you thought that was fun. Let's go full absurd with the, the final chase through Chicago down to the Daily Plaza. Oh, my and God. I forgot how funny this was. And I even messaged you, Brian, the other day when I was watching it. Just, I couldn't stop laughing at every crash on screen. And the fact that it went on for like at least a half a minute longer than Policemen any crash would be edited. Are terrible drivers. Oh my God. Yeah, they, they, they are. And they'd broken a world record when they made this movie. This was the most car crashes ever on screen. Uh, until I think two years later, some other movie made it, and then that one held the record, and they only beat it by like two cars, and then that held the record until Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the amount of cop cars they crash. I'm like, they're <laughs> they're just flipping over for no reason. Oh my god! And like that's the like the sure the Matrix might have crashed more. The other movie that I, I didn't even recognize might have crashed more. But there's something about just the sheer amount of policemen and police cars on screen at any given moment yeah. that's just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I. I I do remember reading that Universal did a like a bidding war to get this movie. Yeah. And then they got really flummoxed or what is that a word? Flummoxed. Flummoxed by how out of control the budget ended up being. Like oh, they man. they were not prepared for how much money this movie was going to cost them and they were nervous it was going to be a flop because I mean like I said the amount of cars. Oh, my God. And then on top of that, the amount of people, the amount of Chicago they had to close down to shoot <laughs> this thing. It's just nuts. And it's not like they're shooting some, like, deep, thought-provoking film. Yeah, they're or, shooting or the an most... established entity. Like, yeah. this was a risk. Yeah, they're shooting the most bananas movie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no one had a clue if it would work. They're just hoping for the best. And, I mean, they're basing right. it off a Dan Aykroyd script that was over 300 pages long. Long. And he was, this is the first movie he ever wrote. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and like no one would help him at 70s first. And like, man, the late 70s, it really was a golden era for let's just see what works. <laughs> do, you, do you think we could throw Nazis in this movie? Uh, oh, Illinois my God. Nazis. Oh, my God. I hate Illinois, Illinois Nazis. Yeah, they're still a thing. <laughs> they're still running for office. For just the realsies. fucking line, though. <laughs> Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois yeah, Nazis. Yeah, we all do. I wish they would go I, away. I, I think that's my favorite element is just when they finally crash the two guys in the car the editing in that and the geography just i i couldn't recover from that point in the movie How high i lost did they it go? i just lost it they went to the top of the sears tower and dropped down yeah <laughs> just from that one little bridge what they had to get special permission from the faa to drop a car because they wanted to drop it from so high they had to get a special like unflyable license i don't remember the exact word it's but like they had nuts. to get a special license and they had and then to do like multiple tests from different languages to pr- or different uh, heights to prove that it will drop like a rock and it won't float in a different direction. <laughs> they had to do so many yeah, tests. Yeah, you don't want a car to randomly drop on somebody. No! <laughs> right, right. And then that scene is preceded by the backing up on the bridge by the Bluesmobile, and then it flips over backwards and then just flies the other way and then lands straight up. I, I'm, I'm still having some problems recovering from it. I remember there was a, there was a time uh, near the end of high school where I hadn't seen this movie in quite a while, probably since that first time that I mentioned it. And I was at my friend Tim's house, and we turned it on, and we had no idea what we were watching, but we're watching this movie with these crazy flipping cars, and then they start doing, like, yeah, they're doing backflips, and then there's Nazis, and we're like, wait, what the fuck movie is this? Because you don't see the Blues Brothers for about, like, a minute and a half there for a second, you just see their car, and when you finally see them, we're like, 
oh yeah, uh, the end of this movie is insane. <laughs> <laughs> but with no context, and you just turn on the car chase, it's like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> I just, I don't know, I never looked up the number on, not even the car chases, but like the people. The amount of extras they had to have had in this movie. Oh, I have no idea. I do know that they had to shoot most of the car scenes twice, though. What? Yeah, they had to shoot most of the car chases twice because there's so many cars that they decided they couldn't have extras. But then when they looked back at the footage, it looked like it was all sped up because there's no like reference people moving, so they go back and reshoot them all with extras. <laughs> huh. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Can't really reuse those cars. No, a lot of them you couldn't. <laughs> oh. And then like how they had to like specially rig the one blues, the blues mobile, like the one version of it when they pull up to the Daily Plaza and then like it just falls apart. Like I didn't even know about that. Like the work that they went into just to get that two there and then break it oh, apart. Yeah. And then just the, the look on poor Elwood's face. It's like Aw. oh, it finally fell. Well, it completed its mission. It, did, it, it, it was... got them to where they needed to be, per God. Yeah, and the... therefore it made its sacrifice. Yeah, the Bluesmobile was also on a mission from God. Yeah, it was part of it. Yeah. Uh, what haven't we hit in this movie? Like we've talked a lot about the the Carrie music. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. We haven't talked about. Carrie Fisher's such a weird role in this, and she also got a, uh, a fiance out of this movie. Well, they broke up. I said a fiance, not a husband. Yeah. Uh, I think they <laughs> right. were engaged during this movie. They got they actually started dating during this movie oh. because she started choking on set and Dan Aykroyd saved her life with a Heimlich maneuver. Aww. That's that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> sort uh, of. I mean as if like a choking rescue scenario is adorable, but it, it's a meet result. cute. I mean yeah. it's a, as much of a meet cute as two A-list celebrities it could have. Um, <laughs> it's but a meet cute. I just <laughs> love how they dress her like just say perfect little lady type thing in this movie like she's not dressed as like a warrior per se or whatnot her hair is super well done her nails are pristine they feature her nails in such a great way where they look like talons and then she's painting them red and in the right as she's looking at the uh, how to build a fire actually as the movie goes on she goes down in the lethality of her things she starts out with a freaking missile launcher in her car. And then she blows up a, a house. And then she uses a flamethrower. And then she just uses an automatic gun. Like, she actually goes down. She starts about as high as you can go. Maybe she's going for more precision as she's yeah. going down. She's like, all right, maybe I just need to aim and stop just hoping for the best. <laughs> but she, she blows up the building they're in. They just don't die. Neither do the cops. The cops climb yeah. out of the rubble, too. Yeah. Well, they all I, I forgot. They just have a blanket, like God is protecting them thing at that point. Yeah. Except you don't yeah, see I forgot how much destruction there was there. The oh, yeah. The so whole she, building goes down. She might have murdered a whole bunch of old men. Yeah, we don't see everybody climb out. Yeah. <laughs> the cheese whiz <laughs> saved them. Yeah, it's all yeah, about the well, cheese whiz. <laughs> but I just uh, love the way she's dressed and made and just everything about her character in this movie. Except for the fact that she falls for his stupid apology. Like no, yeah, no. Princess Leia wouldn't fall for that. <laughs> I do love though that they don't. The, the movie doesn't is not doesn't care about explaining it, and I love that they take so long to get to that point where it's like, oh, he left her at the altar. It's like I like that they just wait. They just don't even care. She just shows up. And I was that, almost gonna be fine with never getting an answer. Me too. Just yeah, no, it was so great. Like sometimes, not not all the time. 
movies sometimes are unable to pull off the not explaining it or they don't do it very well. But this, I didn't care. And I would have been fine if there had been no explanation for it. She's just Carrie Fisher with a gun. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have the John Belushi speech. And I know a lot of people love his speech. That's true. I ran out of gas. Someone stole my keys. There was this. There was that. Someone stole my car. I overslept. The alarm didn't go off. It's not my fault. <laughs> like, the only thing he didn't say is that his mom grounded him. And then he takes off the shades just to look her in the eyes. It's the one time that either of them take off their yep. shades. Although not true offset, because apparently Belushi would just hand out shades to any attractive girl who wandered by the set. And one thing I never noticed before rewatching this is his shades aren't black. Yeah, no, they they were on SNL, but they're not on. Uh, yeah, they're not in the movie. Elle the Woods is black, but his are uh, like tortoiseshell. Yeah. So apparently, uh, another thing I was looking up was when they were on SNL, they would just grab whatever hat, whatever pair of glasses that the costume department had, and just slap them on. And when they did the movie. Uh, the costume the costume designer, who's John Landis's wife, she was like, uh, fuck no, they need to have a look. So they had to go like scour the country for two specific pairs of Ray-Bans. And apparently those two Ray-Bans caught on so big that that's the reason why Tom Cruise wears them in Risky Business. Yeah. Because, because they, of the Blues Brothers. They became, a, like, not the epitome, but certain, that word, synonymous with being cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and they, because of the Blues Brothers. And it yeah. still works till today. Oh, yeah. You pop on Ray-Bans. It's still cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. We talked about the sunglasses. We talked about the costumes. We talked about the music, the car chases, the people. Have we missed anything? Or should we move into favorite moments? Uh, the band members. Fuck are It's me. fascinating because they're all legit band guys. The none of, I think two of them were actually SNL alums. Yeah. The guy who was the lead singer of the, the second band is an SNL guy. Of the Goldoboys? No, 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 no. Like the band that they, they make after Jake oh, and Elwood like, disappeared. Oh, yeah, the... The, the lead singer. It starts with an Fritz, M. Yeah. yeah, whoever they were. That was an SNL guy. That, but the rest he of them was are, an SNL guy and the guy who was the... Uh, con, not concierge. Was it concierge? Whatever. He worked at the restaurant. He was also an SNL guy. Oh, okay. Uh, but the rest of them were just musicians. And they actually did work with them on their albums, and then they brought them in to do this movie. And, like, the guy who was supposed to be married to Aretha Franklin is in the Blues Hall of Fame. He's not, He was not a good actor. He just had the same smirk on his face the whole time. Yeah, he just had this, like, hey, I'm doing a scene with Aretha Franklin. That's yeah, pretty cool. Like, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be, like, breaking up with your wife right now. Try to look a little serious. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> but, no, it was, just fan- it was just fun to look at them on Wikipedia and be like, these are all very successful musicians, which really explains to why they were okay actors <laughs> yeah i mean like uh joe walsh pops in the movie for like two seconds and he can't act at all joe walsh is just a happy-go-lucky little guy yeah. uh but yeah he's the first guy who jumps on the stage at the end when they're doing jailhouse rock the first uh, the first prisoner to jump on the stage to dance with him is joe walsh huh. it's like that makes sense oh um, nice yeah but there was one other guy i'm trying to look it up really quick uh paul schaefer was actually supposed to be in this movie and he was also a member of the original blues brothers band but he was too busy filming another movie so Belushi fired him from the band for not being loyal. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Paul Shaver went on to still have a very good career. He yeah. didn't really need the Blues Brothers, yeah, but he, it was just like, well. He got to have a torrid affair with uh, whatever Sparkles, right? 
With Robin Sparkles? Robin Sparkles. He did have a torrid affair with Robin Sparkles. <laughs> Wait, what the hell? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not going to explain it. Um, good. Because <laughs> if I do... Let him guess. It, it's lame for me. <laughs> so I'm getting out like a week from now. But it's not lame A week from me. now, someone... At least a week from now, someone's it. gonna guess and be like, "Damn it, Brian!" We should all go to the Lame. mall today. Yeah, today, we today. Should dri- we should drive through the mall. <laughs> By the way, the production design for that entire sequence was fantabulous. One, because it looked great. Two, it made me re- uh, reminisce for when malls were interesting to be in. Three, the amount of work that was a empty mall. That was a closed mall. That's yeah. why they were able to drive through it and damage everything. So everything that was in there the movie put in there that production designer set deck department everyone worked their asses off for that scene and i hope they only shot it once because i wouldn't want to reset it and also makes sense why john landis was famously quoted i think pretty early in production when he found out that their budget was like 17 and a half million and went oh pretty sure we've already spent half that <laughs> yeah. all that breakaway glass that they just drive through my god oh. the mall chases all right, let's move in to favorite moments. In a movie like this, is going to be very difficult. I understand. Um, I'll go first, because mine's just going to be a very big, very broad moment. But it's going to be the final concert. From the moment they enter the stage to they go through the small hatch behind the stage. All of that. Actually, I'll even go back a little bit further. I'll go all the way back to Cab Calloway's song. From when he starts singing to when the Blues Brothers leave the stage is my favorite moment of the movie. I could be like on my feet dancing along with all the music. Especially like the Cab Calloway thing is just so fucking good. <coughs> and then like I'm looking up trivia. Apparently the Heidi 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 Ho was never the lyrics. He just forgot the words during one performance and sang it like that instead. And everyone went, that's better. So he just kept doing it. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's amazing. Isn't it? I'm going to be a little more specific. I like the part when the Blues Brothers are trying to walk into the Palace Hotel during that song, and oh, okay. they're doing it to the lyrics. So funny. And I just love their little <laughs> sneaky dance. Their sneaky dance is so, wonderful. I thought you were going to go for the uh, the swearing of the nun, because that's what had you laughing the loudest when we were watching it. I mean, that was... Just stop swearing. <laughs> Ow, bitch. Ow, son of a bitch. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> ah, ah, you fat penguin. <laughs> Well, that line got me pretty well. But I just freaking love their sneaky dance. Uh, yeah, the fat penguin was almost a pause the movie and let us calm down moment. <laughs> right, so right. Looking good. Uh, for me, it's the uh, free, uh, freeway chase with the cop cars and ending with uh, John Candy and the side of a truck. <laughs> but just the fact that, like, the cop cars are so bad at driving, but they let them keep crashing into each other and piling over each other. And just the way that the movie Deadpan hangs on these car crashes, just this was the beginning of where I started losing my shit in this movie. And uh, it's so great. And it ends so perfect in John Candy's delivery while they're in the side of the truck with the cop just next to him being like, oh, shit. (laughs) It is amazing. And it, it reminded me of uh, the other guys, like the opening of the other guys where uh, <laughs> Sam Jackson lands in the bus. Like, mm. did anyone call 9-1? Holy shit. <laughs> um, I do also want to say my other favorite part is more subtle. Mm. Uh, it's when they get into Ray Charles's music slash pawn shop. Uh, and Elwood is looking at a, oh, a toaster oven. A toaster oven. <laughs> And he just slowly, but very sincerely, p- 
pulls out a piece of bread <laughs> from and, his coat pocket and just, just gingerly puts it in to the toaster oven as if he's like very like invested in the outcome of this. <laughs> I was like, what is with him and his toasted white slices? <laughs> oh my god. That, that cop toast. <laughs> it is such a throwaway moment almost where you could just easily not notice it because you're invested in the other stuff that's If happening. you hadn't called it out, I wouldn't have even noticed. <laughs> but <laughs> just, we're just sitting there watching it and just hear, what is with him in bread? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a pause moment for me because at first they were, like, they were in a pawn shop. I didn't realize it was just a pawn, like it was also a pawn shop. I thought it was mostly instruments. And then they cut to this. I'm like, that's not playable. <laughs> He's just so careful about it all, too. What if I put it inside? Will it also get toasted? Like in a toaster? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that was, that's some good shit. Seriously, though, I think the hardest you laughed throughout the movie was the, the swearing with the nuns. I think that was just the uh, beginning. I mean, yeah, it was just the beginning. And you just, the, stop swearing. <laughs> <laughs> She'll stop hitting you. Oh, and she hit really good, too. She oh did. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And apparently, again, I, just, I have a lot of trivia for this one. Apparently, uh, when John Belushi flips the desk on that one, he injured himself so bad that he had to be on pain medicine throughout the entirety of the shoot. Oof. I mean, wouldn't cocaine just be your pain medicine? Maybe that's what John Landis meant by pain medicine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so this will be a tough one. Because I don't know what movie you could possibly pair this with, but I'm going with double features, as always. So what would be a good double feature to watch with Blues Brothers? Hmm. I'm gonna go hmm. I'm gonna go back way back into our months here. And I'm going with the Wiz. Okay. I feel like they're both such good celebrations of singers and music. That uh, even if The Wiz isn't the greatest movie in the world, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, and I enjoyed it mostly because of the songs and the dancing and everything. And I feel like I'd, uh, uh, it'd pair well with this one. Lots of very great big song and dance numbers. The James Brown scene basically could be a scene from The Wiz. Like the way everyone's dancing and everything. It almost feels like the brand new day. Yeah. You're going to hate mine. Oh, don't say true your life. <laughs> I, I, that's what I say every time you say Tree of Life. No, why? That wouldn't make any sense with this. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense with this. You're quoting me. Super Mario Brothers. You're right. I don't like it. <laughs> Another tale of two brothers going on an adventure. Okay, fuck uh, They need to save the universe this time, or just the world, or their reality. I don't. Either way, they're going on a madcap adventure. You won't know what's going on. Are they on a mission from God? There is at least one musical sort of number. I mean, there's dancing. Don't count the elevator scene as a musical number. No, I was counting the everyone walk with the dinosaur when they're at the club. Okay, that's more of a musical number than the elevator scene. Yeah. I thought you were talking about John Gozano dancing the uh, No, the but Goombas. that's pretty good, too. <laughs> I just think that they're just so both of them are so absurd, but in very different ways. I actually, now that you're, you're stating it, I don't think that's a bad double I feature. It it's a bad fun. movie, but it's not necessarily it's a bad fun. double feature. Sure, yeah, no, I get it. John, what about you? Okay, so in terms of things that, since this movie makes me laugh out loud quite a bit, I'm going to go kind of in the similar vein where another movie that has similar laugh out loud moments for me from similar SNL people, uh, Three Amigos. Okay. 
Uh, I've only specifically, seen the movie once. I need to I go back to that. It's been a long time. It's surprisingly violent, actually. I watched it not too long ago, and I was like, I remember all the funny bits, but not quite the violence. There's a lot of sh- killing people with guns. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but the scene specifically that I'm that kind of anchored me to this is when Chevy Chase is on the horse. They arrive at the singing bush, and everyone gets off their horse to like the right uh, screen right, and he gets off his middle horse to screen right, and he ends up on. Uh, Steve Martin's horse instead <laughs> but backwards and he doesn't quite understand what happened and he's just sitting there as they move on like kind of like what and like th- that level of just h- hilarity and subtle humor there's a lot of that in this movie and I think those would pair very well together Abs- I had totally forgotten about that scene until you just described it <laughs> it's, a, it's a solid movie oi alright so that would be the first month the first week of SNL month Coming up next, we all get to pick one. Uh, I don't really care what we pick. Can't pick the same movie, obviously. But any one of those SNL movies that came out after the Blues Brothers. It's fair game. All right. Do you have yours already? I've never seen Coneheads. So we're going with Coneheads. I'm very intrigued. I might hate it, but I'm intrigued. (laughs) Next week is Coneheads. John, what's the week after that? Uh, Let's take a look. Because... Coneheads was going to be mine if Chewie hadn't picked it, just because I've been wanting to see that one again. We got to go with Wayne's World, man. Yeah. It's just kind of, yeah, it's a little obvious, but it's also, it'd be nice not to just do a whole bunch of crappy movies after uh, after Blues Brothers. Cause right, we're save that for the where have they been doing, right? Yeah, or, you know, the week after when we do Superstar. Oh, we're doing Superstar. We're absolutely <laughs> doing Superstar. I haven't seen it. I've never seen Ladies <laughs> Men or MacGruber. You've seen MacGruber. We watched it. You didn't like it. That's part of the reason why I didn't pick MacGruber. I don't remember. We own it on Blu-ray. I love MacGruber. I don't remember you having me watch that at all. You didn't like it. Okay, so that's that's the rest of our month, right? We got, let's go over it again. We have, coming up next week, we have Coneheads, followed by Wayne's World, followed by probably Superstar, but I'm still kind of leaning towards Stuart Saves His Family because Chewie is so clueless as to who Stuart is. Might make it funnier. All I know is Superstar is in a Catholic school? Yep. And she smells her armpits. Wow. See, now I still want to do Superstar. Yeah, we still have to Superstar after that description. We absolutely have to do that one. Okay, that's what it is. I love Molly I know Shannon. she does like, this yeah. thing. Yeah, with and I smell like this. Yeah. And I was... <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, never I fucking... I love Molly Shannon. Even if the movie's not good, she's going to make me laugh. So that's what we're doing. Damn it. Quick round of plugs, and we're going to say goodbye. For my plugs, as always, uh, ATHpod.com for this sh- and every other show on the, th- on the ATH network, including the new to our network show, Welcome to You Are Doom, the Frisky Dingo, a Frisky Dingo podcast. Uh, we got things rolling earlier this week with our first episode. We've already recorded the next one. We are excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, got a new person doing theme music, and he did an amazing job. Like, even if you don't listen to the entire of our show, you should listen to our theme music because it's fucking awesome. Uh, that's it for me. Chewie, what you plugging? Watch Superstar. Continue watching Superstar. Just keep Superstar. watching Superstar on repeat. Leave it on repeat. Never turn it off. Or do. You know, whatever. Uh, John, what about you? What are you plugging? Uh, yeah, Demon Days, the tabletop podcast that we got going on, actual play. Every Wednesday, we're having fun. And, uh, yeah, up to no good, as always. So, with that, thank you, everyone, for listening. And bye. 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 Bye.